process it the way as if it was true. It's just a matter of saying, can you imagine this? Go mm. imagine it. Do you think it's right? It's not like I believed it and now I falsified it. It's, it's well, more like- Well, I well actually, I'll just give you one other datum here because so, it's just intellectually interesting and, and socially all too consequential. The, this effect goes by several names, I think, but it, you know, one is the illusory truth effect, which is even in the act of disconfirming something you know, to be false, you know, a, some specious rumor or a conspiracy theory, merely having to invoke it, I mean, to have people entertain the concept again, even in the context of debunking it, ramifies a belief in it in many, many people. It's just, oh, yeah. it becomes harder totally. to discredit things because you have to talk about them in the first place. Yeah. I mean, so look, we're talking about language here, right? Yeah. And in language, so much of what we humans know is via language. And we have no idea if it's true when someone says something to you, right? How, how do you know? And so you, it's, you, you have to, so, I mean, I, I gave an example, like, I've never been to the city of Havana. Well, I believe it's there. I believe it's true, but I don't know. I've never been there. I've never actually touched it or smelled it or, or saw it. So maybe it's false. Mm. So I just, I mean, the, this is one of the issues we have. I have a whole chapter on false beliefs because so much of our knowledge of the world is built up on language. And the default assumption under language that if someone says something, it's true. It's like, it's a pattern in the world. You're going to accept it. If I touch a coffee cup, I accept that that's what it feels right. like. And if I look at something, I accept that's what it looks like. Well, if someone says something, my initial acceptance is, okay, that's what it is. So, you know, and then they said, in fact, well, if someone says something that's false, of course, well, that's a problem because... Just, just by the fact that I've experienced it, it's now part of my world model. And, I, and, and if that's what you're referring to, I can see this is really a problem of language we, we face. And this is, this is the root cause of almost all of our false beliefs, is that someone just says something enough times, mm. and that's good enough. <laughs> and, and you have to seek out contrary evidence, evidence for it. Yeah, sometimes it's good enough, even when you're the one saying it. You just overhear your, 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 the voice of your own mind saying it. And no, I know. That's, that's, it's been proven that everyone is susceptible to that kind of distortion of our beliefs, or especially our memories. Just remembering something over and over again changes it, you know? Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to AI risk here, because here's where I think you and I have very different intuitions. I mean, and the intuition that many of us have, you know, the people who have informed my views here, people like Stuart Russell, who you probably know at Berkeley. Yeah, and uh, Nick Bostrom and Eliezer Yudkowsky and just uh, lots of people in this spot uh, worrying about the same thing to one or another degree. The intuition is that you don't get a second chance to create a truly autonomous superintelligence, right? Like it seems that in principle, this is the kind of thing you have to get right on the first try, right? And having to get anything right on the first try just seems extraordinarily dangerous because we we rarely if ever do that when doing something complicated um, and another way of putting this is that it seems like in the space of all possible super intelligent minds there are more ways to build one that isn't perfectly aligned with our long-term well-being than there are ways to build one that is perfectly aligned with our, our, our long-term well-being and you know, from my point of view, what, what you know, your optimism and the, the optimism of many other people, you know, who take your side of this debate is based on is a, it's not really taking the prospect of 
intelligence seriously enough and the autonomy that is intrinsic to it. I mean, if, if we actually built a true general intelligence, what that means is that we would suddenly find ourselves in relationship to something that we actually can't perfectly understand. It's like it will be analogous to a strange person walking into the room. You know, you're in relationship, and if this person can think a thousand times or a million times faster than you can, and has goals that are less than perfectly aligned with your own, that's going to be a problem eventually. We can't find ourselves in a state of perpetual negotiation with systems that are more competent and powerful and intelligent I, I than think, we are. I think, there's, I think there's two mistakes in your argument. Yeah. The first one is you say my intuition and your intuition. I think most of the people who have this fear have an intuition about what might happen. I don't have an intuition. I'm basing my argument here. If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at samharris.org. Once you do, you'll get access to all full-length episodes of the Making Sense podcast, along with other subscriber-only content, including bonus episodes and AMAs and the conversations I've been having on the Waking Up app. The Making Sense podcast is ad-free and relies entirely on listener support, and you can subscribe now at samharris.org.